Guys, good morning. All of those who are getting to watch us online here at um, 9.30. We are shooting it a little early this morning, and then I know that there will be others that will be watching it at 11. But we're glad that you're tuning in. Um, listen, uh, someone prayed for me this morning. I thought it was uh, pretty uh, unique in part of their prayer. The prayer was really good. But the one thought is for us today is that we use this moment that God has given us, this beautiful snow and the blessing that He's given us. But he, we use it as a time of rest, but don't use it as a time of pause. The church has got momentum right now, and, and we're moving in the right direction, and things are happening well. So enjoy your day. Rest. Um, root for whoever you're going to at the Super Bowl. But let's, just, uh, but let's not pause in seeking the Lord. Let's seek Him today. Let's spend time with Him today and enjoy Him, okay? Guys, today I'm going to be looking in that scripture that Richard just read, Genesis 28, 10 through 22. I want us to just spend some time together in this. You see, Jacob should give us all hope. You say, why? Well, you may have read Jacob this week, and you may have found yourself being critical of him. But if we think about it, you and I are guilty of doing what Jacob did, or maybe even worse. The truth is, is that me and you and Jacob all deserve to be in prison on death row. But God, what? But God has a clear plan, had a clear plan to save Jacob. God has a clear plan to save you and I. So let's think about this for just a few moments. Let's look first at the character of Jacob. Think about what his name means. His name means one who overthrows somebody else. One who, one who takes another person's position. See, Jacob um, stole his brother's birthright, traded him for a bowl of soup in a time when his brother was hungry and traded him out of it. He and his mother, his mother being the, the more developer of the plan, to devise this uh, deceptive plan so that Jacob could receive his blessing. <clears throat> he is known as the deceiver. So that's his character, deceiver, one who takes another's position, one who takes what somebody else has. But what about his circumstance? What is, well, what's the situation that Jacob has found himself in? He's deceived his father. He, he's, he's deceived his brother. He's taken, he's taken his birthright. He's taken the blessing from his brother. His brother's now in a position that he wants revenge and wants to kill him. And, and his mother now devises another plan to keep Jacob from being killed. He go, she goes to his father Isaac and says, I, Isaac, listen, we don't want... Jacob to marry girls like Esau from around here. Well, send him to my brother's house and let him marry one of my brother's girls. The, the whole ideal here was maybe it was for a wife, but the, the reality is, is it was to keep Esau from killing Jacob. So he sends Jacob away, and, and think about this, though he has the birthright, and though um, he has the blessing, yet his dad is not dead, and now he finds himself on the run without any land, 
without any blessing, without any riches, without any inheritance, without any servants. He finds himself running for his life and looking for a wife. But what about his position as we find him in chapter 28? What is his position in chapter 28? As he's on the run, as he's going about, the sun sets. It becomes dark. So he stops for the night. And he takes a stone for a pillow. And he lays down on that stone. And he begins to have a dream. Would you think about it in every possible way? Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. In every possible way, Jacob has found himself in a dark place. But I want you to know this. I want you to think about this, guys, listeners. I'm glad that God's plan and that God's provision and God's present doesn't depend on Jacob. Not his character, not his circumstances, not his position. But the same is true for you and I. God's plan, provision, and present doesn't depend on me, thank God. God's plan, provision, and presence doesn't depend on you. It doesn't. Nothing can change God's plan. So today's message that I want to bring from chapter, 20, from chapter 28, verses 10 through 22, and I have that wrong in my PowerPoint, sorry, Genesis 28, not 18. God's plan, God's provision, God's presence. Let's think about His plan. We find it in verses 13 through 15. 13 and 14 says this, There above it stood the Lord, and He said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And then look at verse 15. God says to Jacob in this dream, I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until you have done what I have promised you. See, God gave the promise first to Abraham to make him a great nation, to give him the land, to cause his offspring to, to be the number of the sand of the sea or the stars of the sky. It, it, he did it in chapter 12, in chapter 15, and in chapter 22. And then he renewed this promise with Isaac in chapter 26. And now he's extending this promise and renewing this promise with Jacob. This promise is covering now three generations. Notice this about God's promise. Notice this about God's plan. Every time He tells this plan, He is sure to let Abraham know. He is sure to let Isaac know. He is sure to let Jacob know. I am doing it. God said, I am. You remember with Abraham, there was five I wills. With Isaac, there was two I wills and an I am. What have we seen with the promise that we just read? God's plan with Jacob. It was, I am, I will, 
I, I am with you. I will bring you back. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. You see, God caused Abraham to live by faith. God used the dysfunction of Isaac and Rebekah. You think about Isaac and Rebekah. One of them loved Esau. Isaac loved Esau. Rebekah uh, loved Jacob. They were so dysfunction in that family. And now in the darkest time of Jacob's life, in this time when his brother's at war with him, his dad is dying, he doesn't have the blessing, he doesn't have the birthright at this point, He's just on the run by himself. God shows up to continue his plan. See, Abraham's faith in his early years did not stop the plan of God. God continued to increase Abraham's function. The dysfunction of Isaac and Rebekah did not stop the plan of God. Jacob and his deceit, him being on the run, him being in the dark place did not stop. The plan of God. Guys, you got to know this. That you and I, God's plan is not dependent upon us. It's not dependent upon us doing everything right. It's not depending upon us. It's not depending upon our faithfulness. It's not dependent upon our talent. you got to know this morning that God's plan is going to be accomplished in spite of us. Now, let's think about God's provision that we find in this chapter. Look at verse number 12. He said, He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. See, your translation may say ladder, and that's, that's a good translation. But it doesn't matter whether it's a ladder or a staircase. The point is, is one part of it's on earth. The other part's in heaven. God's at the top. Angels are coming down. Angels are going up. Now, you say, what in the world is that all about? Think about what's going on here. God is in authority. He's in rule. He, he is in control. And he's giving orders to the angels. We have seen it so far through Genesis. The angels come from heaven to earth in order to share a message from God. Angels come from heaven to earth in order to destroy cities for God. They are the messengers and the servants of God to accomplish the plan of God that God is setting forth in His rule from heaven. So think about this plan. Think about this provision. God is saying, hey guys, I'm ruling this thing from heaven. This plan started in heaven and it'll be finished and completed by heaven. I'm in control. I'm doing this. From heaven. It's no wonder that Jesus taught us to pray. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, what, what did Jesus, what he's teaching us to pray was, God, your will is so perfect. You, you're, you have all the resources. You have all the knowledge. There's nothing that takes you by surprise. And you're a good father. And you mean good for us. So therefore, God, please let your will be done on, in my life on earth as it is in heaven. 
So we've looked at God's plan. We've looked at God's provision for the plan. Now let's look at God's presence. We see it in verses 13 and 15. In verse 13, this is what we've seen. There above it stood the Lord. This is in Jacob's dream when he's alone and in a dark place and separated. Would you think just a minute, God's presence is saying, Jacob, I am here. And then in verse 15, look at God's presence with Jacob in 15. He said, I am with you. And I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. See, there's never a time what God is saying is I am a present help. I'm ruling from heaven while at the same time being present in your life, Jacob. Now, that's Jacob. That's Isaac. It's Abraham, and we're going to continue this story as we go, the plan of God. But I'll ask you today this question. What is God's plan for us? What is God's plan for us specifically? You and I, what is our plan? Romans 1.17 says this. Look with me at Romans 1.17. God's plan for us. For in, it, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. First thing I want you to see is this. God, God's plan for you and I is that we receive His righteousness. He's, see, this righteousness of God comes from God and it's imparted to us. So God is saying, my plan for you is that you're right with me. That you're in a right standing with me. Now, I want you to think further about this. As we think that we're moving to us this morning, what is the plan for God? Romans 8.29 says, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Listen to the why. That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. That, that he might be what? That He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What is He saying? He's saying, I want you to be in a right standing with me. This is my plan for you, to be in a right standing for me. My plan for you is that, we, that you are also what? That you also become a child of God, just like my son Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, that you become a part of a new family. You see... Let me just, I'll, I'll, I'll continue, I will tie this together in just a moment. I feel like I've lost you there, but I haven't. You stay with me, okay? So God's plan for us is to be right with Him. God's plan for us is to be like His Son. But then there's a third thing that we see in 117. God's plan is, is that the just shall live by faith. You see, that, that, now listen to look what he says, the just shall. What he's saying, he's saying, if you've received my righteousness, you will live by faith. He's not saying you, well, what he's saying, he's saying, you, you'll begin with faith, but God's going to complete that faith. God's going to grow that faith. Now, now I want us to continue this thought of God's plan for us. Look in Matthew chapter 4. Verse 19, God, 
What is God's plan for us? Matthew 4, 19. He said, then he said to them, follow me. And look, what does he say again? I will make you fishers of men. He said, I will not only cause you to have faith and for that faith to grow, but he said, my plan is for you to have faith, but my plan is for you to care about others. My, my plan is for you to be interested in others, to want to grow others, to want to impact others, to share your gift with others. It's a plan to reach other people, people that you don't know, new people that God will bring into your life. Look at Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do, do you see that God is saying, Man, I've got a plan for your life, and my plan is to make you fishers of men, men that will catch other men and women. My plan is for you that you'll all from home, to neglected people, to the next place, to the end of the world, that you will be a person who witnesses about me, that shares the story of the gospel. But there's one more. Would you look at Galatians 5, 22 through 23? He said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Guys, would you, as you're just sitting there and you're thinking about this message, and you say, man, we're started in Jacob and now we're all over the New Testament. What are you doing, Chris? God had a plan for, for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the nation of Israel. And God's got a plan for you and I. The problem is, though, sometimes the plan for you and I, all we want to think about is the plan that, what it looks like for us to live in this world. What it looks where we're going to live, who we're going to marry, what, where we're going to go to school, what, what's our house going to be like, what's our job going to be like. Listen, I want you to get this, that there's a bigger plan for your life than that. God's plan for you is what? That you're in a right standing with Him. That you're a brother and sister of Christ. God's plan for you is that your faith is growing. God's plan for you is that He's making you to care about others in a way that you'll reach them for Christ. God's plan for you is that you'll be a witness to all the world. God's plan for you is that we will bear the fruit of the Spirit as we're going. That we will be that we'll show love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. One of my favorite verses, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, but you'll look that up and see if that's correct, but I think it's right. It says, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. This is what I really think. Can I take some pressure off high school seniors? Can I take some pressure off college students? The reality is, is I really think God is saying that there's some things I'm going to do in your life that I'm making out of you as a child of God. And these are the things I'm doing. But where you work and where you live and what you're doing, He says, whatever you do, just do it for the glory of God. Just do it for me and let me, let me do what I want to do in your life with your faith. 
with causing you to be fishers of men, with causing you to be witnesses for me, with causing you to bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's God's plan for our life. You say, well, what is God's provision? There was provision. Man, we have the same provision that Jacob did. Think about Philippians 1.6. What is God's provision for this plan? Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Because you may be sitting behind the camp, behind watching your TV screen this morning and saying, I'll tell you, Chris, I don't see myself as a witness to the ends of the world. I, I don't see myself as really being one who reaches people. And, and to be honest with you, when I'm driving down the road, I'm not very patient. I, I don't see myself in those things right now. Listen, you got to know that, listen, the work has a beginning and the work has the end. And it doesn't finish at the beginning. It takes some time. It takes your life. Matter of fact, Jacob is going to spend the next 20 years, you'll read it this week, he's going to spend the next 20 years allowing God to bring him to a place that he wants him to be. Guys, it's about time in our life. It's about God completing this work. But He said, I will do it. And he who is faithful will do it. Think about Hebrews 12. You remember this scripture? It said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's literally the designer and builder of our faith. He designed it. He built it. He is our provision. He's going to do it. Galatians 3, chapter 3, verse 3. says, Oh, you Galatians, how foolish you are that you think that you can begin in the Spirit and then be made to be uh, mature, to be complete by the flesh. You can't do that. This is God's work, and He's making us to be these things. What about God's presence? We've talked about His plan, right? Just like Jacob had a plan, God's got a plan for us. Just like there's a provision for Jacob, there's a provision for us. God is doing it through His Spirit. But listen, what about His presence? Is God present in this process? Look at Matthew 28, 20. Look at what He said. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end. Amen. Look at Hebrews 13.5. For He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, this is what I want to get to you. God has a plan for you in your life. And it may not be what you think. You think you've got to figure out what church you're going to be at, what church you're going to pastor, what you're going to do. You think you've got to figure out whether you're going to preach or not preach, whether you're going to sing or not sing, whether you're going to work this job or work that job. Now, what God wants to do in your life is make you a child who reaches and cares for others, witnesses for Him, and bears His fruit. That's God's plan for our life. And you say, I ain't there yet. I know you're not there yet, but guess what? What God has started, He'll finish. And listen, in this process, you may feel like God's not working. And in this process, you may feel like, man, I, I, I don't even know if He's present. God has promised us to never leave us 
and never forsake us, but to be with us all the way to the end. And I don't know about you, but I believe God. And I believe He's going to finish what He started. Guys, I love you. I want to pray for you. We're going to have worship. And then I'm going to come back and we'll do communion together. Father, we love you. Father, and for those that are saying, okay, I see how God's been faithful in the plan with Abraham. I see how He's been faithful in the plan with Isaac and Jacob. But you're struggling this morning to see that He's been faithful with you. Father, I pray that you will deal with our hearts and let your presence be known. Those that have gotten caught up more in the physical things of what, what does my life look like, the reality is, Father, just make us to become exactly what you want us to be in order that we may just, whatever we do, do it for your glory. And Father, lastly, lastly, Father, will you remind us of your presence? We're not together, but we don't have to be together for you to be present. Father, wherever they're at, God, may you be present in their life. God, we love you, we praise you, and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.